Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by one of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison. A paralegal for more than 20 years, Vicki is dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, the Paralegal Mentor and host of the Paralegal Voice. I'm an advanced certified paralegal, and I publish a weekly e-newsletter titled Paralegal Strategies. I'm also the co-author of The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. You'll find more information at paralegalmentor.com. My guest today is Kathy Albrecht Siegman, PLS, PP, ACP. And I'm so excited to have you here with me today, Kathy. Welcome. Thanks, Vicki. Before we begin, our sponsors should be recognized and thanked. That would be NALA, a professional association for paralegals, providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. NALA is a force in the promotion and the advancement of the paralegal profession and has been a sponsor of the Paralegal Voice since our very first show. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics that are important to the paralegal industry and also share with you leading trends significant developments and resources that you're going to find helpful in your career and your everyday job. Guests are usually included to help explore timely topics, so I've invited Kathy Siegman to be my guest today to discuss accurate proofreading. Kathy has worked as a secretary and a paralegal for over 30 years. She recently left big law with her attorney to work for a brand new firm. And I understand that she's very happy. Right, Kathy? Exactly. And I want to take just a minute to tell all of our listeners that today is Kathy's birthday. And I'm so excited to have her with us and to be celebrating her birthday with us. It's quite a privilege. Um, I do appreciate her taking time, uh, although she's already told me that she wasn't getting the day off anyway. That's what happens in a small firm. You're right. That's what will happen. No days off. (laughs) Absolutely. And someday we should have a discussion uh, on the Paralegal Voice about going from a large firm to a small firm, because I'm sure that that's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? Absolutely. So, Kathy, we see errors all the time. We see it in our work. When we, uh, those signs we see when we're driving to work makes us crazy. We try not to make mistakes because we're supposed to create an error-free work product. I know proofreading is important to you, and I'd like to know what event led to your becoming an expert on proofreading for legal professionals. It was actually studying for my first certification exam. Doing the grammar section just made me more aware of all kinds of mistakes. But now I drive my family crazy and all my coworkers crazy. And I actually got my city to change a street sign in my neighborhood because the street name was misspelled. And I saw it every single day. And finally, I couldn't take it every, anymore. So I got them to change that. So that was a success. 
But now I notice things in newspapers, billboards, and the local news, which happens to be a great source of content for me. I'm actually surprised how much local news has errors in their what's showing on the on the television. Uh, one that I used the other day for grammar giggles was a sign painted in front of a local elementary school that said "Parent Dorp Off" instead of "Drop Off." So that entertains me. Right. You know, I wonder if other people saw that uh, because proofreading is difficult. Sometimes we just expect things to be right, but I think. That is the biggest problem for paralegals. We assume that things are right. And really, it's important for us to hone our proofreading skills. So tell us why. Because people are always watching and judging you. And I think attorneys have read their work so many times they know what it's supposed to say, which isn't necessarily what shows up on paper. And judges really don't have time to read error-filled documents. And attorneys can be sanctioned for filing documents. And I have a quote here that were riddled with unprofessional grammatical and typographical errors that nearly render the entire motion incomprehensible. And that was an order in a Florida case that made the rounds on the Internet a few years ago. And I don't want my work product to show up in a case like that. No, you don't want your document or your motion or whatever being thrown out by the judge, do you? No, not at all. Proofreading is really difficult, Kathy, and it's difficult for everybody. One area that I concentrate on a lot is real estate, and the descriptions in those documents have to be absolutely accurate. So I always go to another person and we proofread together. So, you know, there are are other reasons why proofreading is difficult. What have you run across? Well, I think a lot of times, like I said, when you've authored something, you know what it should say. So you just read it that way, and that makes it really difficult. And I think in our field, a lot of people think they're really too busy to take the time to proofread, but it really is important. Like you said, I've done some real estate work as well, and read out loud to another person to make sure it's right. Everything has to be accurate or it can completely change your case. Right. And when I uh, do that, I read the description and I have another person, I read that description out loud and I have another person read my work right? um, so that I don't uh, miss anything. Another problem that I have is an aging issue, which I really do hate to admit, (laughs) but my eyes don't always focus right. I'll see a six in uh, instead of an eight or something like that. So that's an issue. Yeah, and that's what the 150% magnification on the computer is for. Right. Which I use regularly <laughs> for the same reason. You need to make things bigger. And it's really simple to do, isn't it? Right. And it's important because you do miss things when you're trying to look at them in small print. Do you make the uh, the do you make the print bigger by using your mouse, or um, do you well like if I'm looking at something in a PDF document and I make it bigger uh, using the plus and getting it to at least 125? Uh, do you do that another way? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I just go to the view menu and increase it there. 
And sometimes I forget to change it back before I send it back to the attorney. And so they all think I'm completely blind. But (laughs) (laughs) you're just helping them, right? Exactly. Well, computers are very helpful, but they can't be relied upon to catch every error. Even using spell check and word search, there can still be errors because there are a lot of words that, well, for example, uh, there and there, T-H-E-I-R and T-H-E-R-E, just don't get picked up. Something um, that I have a lot of difficulty with are its, I-T-S and I-T apostrophe S. I always have to think, and I'm sure I'm not the only person who has some word or words that they have to stop and think about, and um, they may or may not have done them wrong, uh, but the spell check's not going to pick that up. The best approach for an error-free work product is to actually read the document word for word. Do you print them and read them, or do you read them on the screen? I actually read them on the screen unless it's something that I'm struggling with or that's really super important. Um, Then I print it out and go into a quiet room and read it. Um, But typically, I've I've done it so much that I can read it on the screen. I actually prefer to print it. I just Mm -hmm. do better reading that way. But whatever works for each individual person, as long as they're getting it right, that's what they should do. Exactly. Do you uh, use the word search and the spell check? Uh, you know, do you do anything else? I usually do spell check um, because it will catch extra spaces and um, spaces between commas and other things that shouldn't be there and some words that are just incorrectly spelled. And double words. Uh, but I'm sorry? Just don't forget double words. Exactly. Like uh, putting... Uh, A and A and together, or two periods at the end. Especially, I see that a lot around a um, non-essential phrase that's set off by commas. They'll have the same word before and after. So those are the kinds of things that I look for. When you said you go to a quiet room to concentrate, I think that that's one of the... um, I think that's one of the best things you can do. You do need to be able to concentrate. You um, need to get away from the music and away from as many interruptions as possible, you know, so that you can take care of this, this proofreading accurately. One other thing I want to get to before we talk about your blog is the issue that one word can make a huge difference in a document. Oh, absolutely it can. Yeah, if if it's supposed to say that someone does not do something and not is missing, um, that changes the whole meaning. That's right. Do and do not, you know, and so forth. Um, another word that can make a big difference is the word or, O-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have O-F instead of O-R. I have to say that the automatic correction doesn't help us sometimes, changes things on us. But that's why you really do have to read it word for word. Somehow you have to be sure that everything's been taken care of. You, uh, you know, I want to tell them about your blog, though, Kathy, because you, you have a very entertaining and helpful blog. And it's proofthatblog.com. So tell our readers, our listeners, 
how your blog came to be, and also a bit about your post about the party, because that was really intrig- intriguing. I love the title. That title's going to get <laughs> you know, people to read it for sure. Well, I actually somehow ended up as kind of the expert in our office on proofreading, which really just means that I ended up proofreading a whole lot of stuff for a whole lot of people. And I'd had former coworkers and attorneys and friends email me for proofreading advice and kept seeing the same mistakes over and over, you know, the questions that they asked, the work that I was reading. So finally, I decided that I could probably impart some of the knowledge that I had or that I would gain in doing some research to help other people. And if I could just help one person to do a better job, then I felt like I'd accomplished something. And my latest post, and I don't have the name right here with me, but it was, I think, bubble wrap, champagne, and solo cups. Sounds like a party to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, it's about brand names that should be capitalized, even though some people use them as generic labels like bubble wrap. I don't know that I've seen that one capitalized, but it needs to be because it is a brand name. Well, that's interesting. And you have a whole list of things there. So I think that's, you know, that's one that people really should uh, check out. Um, you know, Kleenex is, uh, is another word, right? It's a mistake people make a lot of, a lot. Like Band-Aid is a brand name and not just an adhesive bandage. Yeah. And uh, there are some in there I didn't know. I didn't know uh, some of these were brand names that should be capitalized. Right. I didn't either. I was, did my research and learned a lot myself. Well, it's time to take a short break for a word from our sponsor, NALA, the Association of Legal Assistants and Paralegals. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion about proofreading with Kathy Siegman. So don't go away. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and today we're discussing paralegal proofreading skills with my guest, Kathy Siegman, who blogs at proofthatblog.com. Kathy, what are some of the common proofreading pitfalls that paralegals have, and how can they avoid those trouble spots? I know one thing is using forms from another case, and while that helps us, keeps us from reinventing the wheel, it's really important to make sure that our client names are correct and don't sh- that another client's name doesn't show up in this client's work. They're not going to want to pay for something that obviously wasn't drafted specifically for them, even though things rarely are. If they can tell because it has another client's name in it, that's not going to make them happy. And another is mixing up parties when you define them by buyer, seller, 
or plaintiff defendant. Uh, sometimes it helps to, instead of reading buyer and seller, actually reading the names, Smith and Jones, to make sure that you have the right parties. Right. Something I always had to be careful of was grantor and grantee, mortgagor and mortgagee. Right. You know, those can be confusing. You just have to make sure you've got it right in your document. Um, changing those around can make a huge difference. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you um, about the names that you just brought up, you know, we have to be sure to replace all of those names. And, you know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel because our time is valuable. Uh, So we can't be always doing that. You know, it's uh, very embarrassing when a client is going over a document and they say, who is this? Right. I've had to admit that's happened to me. Didn't happen more than once or twice because I got, you know, I became very careful after that. It just gives you a sickening feeling in your stomach because we do all try to do good work. I think everybody does. And a simple mistake like that is just horrifying. Right. And again, it's because you know what it's supposed to say, and you're not paying really close attention. That's right. Do you have any resources for paralegals who want to improve their uh, proofreading skills? I think there actually are a lot. Two of my personal favorites are the Greg Reference Manual, which... I have many people argue with me about, but that's the one that I like and the one that goes, that's my go-to and it's on my desk and I have an electronic version on my Kindle app. So that's where I go when I need information. Also, Grammar Girl has podcasts and newsletters and she's very entertaining and gets the point across well, I think. There are lots of websites out there Uh, Lots of podcasts. I just discovered one fairly recently called Stop Grammar Times. And while that's where I got the brand name idea and some of that material. And while his language um, isn't acceptable to everyone, he does have very interesting ideas and a lot of good information. You know, you mentioned the Greg Reference Manual. I also have that. I've had it throughout my paralegal career. It's also very helpful when you're studying for, you know, for a certification exam. Absolutely. Because they do include grammar and spelling, lots of other issues. So I'd highly recommend that. And having it on your Kindle is a great idea. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it's very easy to search that way. Well, Kathy, we're getting close to the end of our time today. I do want to touch briefly, though, on belonging to and getting involved in a professional association. We've both been longtime members of professional associations. And in fact, I met you face to face at the NALS conference in Cincinnati. And I really look forward to seeing you at the NALS conference in October. And that will be in Atlanta. I speak often about how important my uh, association membership is, but I'd like to get your perspective on how significant your NALS membership has been for you. I've got to tell you, I would not be sitting here with you today if I hadn't been a member of NALS. I think that studying for my certification exams and attending CLE on all kinds of topics helped me know that I could learn to do anything. And when I lost a job that I had for 15 years in a very specialized field, 
I wasn't able to get a job doing that, but was able to get a job doing something that I said I would never, ever do for many years, which was work downtown for a woman doing litigation and have been now on that career path for 18 years and constantly learning all kinds of different things. I still attend lots of CLE on all kinds of different topics, not just litigation, and learn something from every single one. Maybe just one little thing that'll help me personally or professionally, but it helps me nonetheless, and I'm a much better person for it. Totally agree with you, Kathy. I always recommend that paralegals make their world large, that they just don't, you know, sit at their desk for 30 years. You know, that's their job, but their whole career is made up of the extra things they do. They need to get out there. They need to meet new people. And those people can be wonderful resources when we need help. Another thing is that uh, you can join, but you really need to be involved. In fact, I, what's your office now with NALS? I am the director of marketing. Director of marketing. Great. Well, you've put some wonderful tips up on the NALS Facebook page every week. And I also add some technology tips there uh, once a week as well. So those are resources that I believe paralegals should be taking advantage of. And the biggest thing is that so much of it is free. Absolutely. Right. You just can't pass that up. So again, I said I'm really looking forward to meeting you at the NALS conference in Atlanta in October. It's going to be a great opportunity to network and earn some CLE credits. Do you have, uh, you know, some other highlights for us for that conference? I do. I'm really looking forward to it. I've never been to that part of the country before, so I'm really excited. Um, it'll be October 17 through 20, and we have 18 and a half hours of excellent CLE available in 42 sessions over four days. And some of the greatest people you'll ever meet and the best education around. Uh, the information is at www.nals.org on the Meet tab. Okay. Well, I plan to be there on the 16th, so hopefully I'll run into you uh, right away. I hope so. Okay. Getting back to our topic once more. Do you have any proofreading tips for our listeners? I think mostly slow down. We really need to take the time to actually read the product that we're pumping out. It's too important, and when your reader is the least bit interested in good grammar and they come across bad grammar, you're going to lose them, and they'll lose the message. Also, you need to keep learning. Things are constantly changing with our English language, and you never know anything, so it's really important to keep up. For instance, in 2011, the AP Stylebook changed e-mail to email with no hyphen. And I still see it both ways, but it's something that changed and some people uh, just either aren't aware of it or haven't paid attention to it. So just need to keep up. That's a really good tip. You know, I didn't know it had changed, although I don't use the hyphen. Uh, sometimes I just, you know, I, you pick up things from just paying attention to other people's styles. Exactly. Okay. Well, Kathy, thank you for joining me today. I know paralegals will find the proofreading tips valuable. 
urge all of you to go to proofthatblog.com. Put that on your list of resources. And Kathy, how can listeners get any other information uh, about you? You're on LinkedIn, right? I am LinkedIn. Um, The Proof That Blog actually has a Facebook presence as well. If you search for Proof That Blog, I'm on Google+. I'm all over the place. Also, if you visit the proofthatblog.com, you can sign up for email notices when the blog's updated. And on the About Proof That page, there's a link to uh, my email address there, the proofthatblog at gmail.com. Perfect. I hope, Kathy, that people will get in touch with you if they see a crazy sign or something silly that happened at work, because those are all great examples, right? Exactly. And it really helps me to research some things and help other people. So I really do appreciate it when people do that for me. So again, Kathy, thank you for joining me today. We're going to be getting the links to this podcast out very soon so everyone can take advantage of the tips that you provided today. So goodbye now, and I appreciate your being here, and happy birthday. Thank you, Vicki. Thanks so much, and I really do look forward to seeing you in October. Thanks. Bye now. Bye. We're going to take another short break. Don't go away, because when I come back, I'll have a special surprise for you. glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the point in the show when I share news and practice tips. My tip for today is actually a career tip. I was coaching a paralegal this week who was really stuck at her job, and she was wanting to make a change. She wanted to move to another city. And we talked about two things she doesn't have now, that everyone absolutely needs to make the jump that she wants to make, even if you don't want to move. The first is an updated resume. You should keep your resume updated at all times. You're going to want to listen to the podcast next month because we're going to have a show about resumes. And September is National Update Your Resume Month, so that is timely. Anyway, you do need that, and you need to always have it ready because you never know when a headhunter is going to call you or someone else is going to want to see your resume. The other thing you do need is a social media presence. And I know some of you are going to poo-poo that. Uh, You know, some of you just... You know, say you're on Facebook, and, but, and that's fine. But the one thing you absolutely have to have is a LinkedIn presence. Because when you apply for a job today, the recruiter is probably uh, going to get an idea of your accomplishments by going to your profile on LinkedIn. They'll go to your Facebook page. They're going to see what you've posted on, on Twitter. Um, they'll look for a blog or a website. but. LinkedIn is the most important because it's really important that you look competent online. If you do look competent online, you'll probably get a response to the the resume 
uh, that you either mailed or emailed to the company. If you don't have a digital footprint, the recruiter or HR person may just pass you by because it looks like you're not keeping up. And no matter what your age is, you can keep up. Not only can you, but you must. So that's my tip for today. And also, if you go to my blog, which is www.paralegalmentorblog.com, there are articles there for creating your LinkedIn profile and boosting your presence on LinkedIn, and also etiquette. LinkedIn etiquette is really important. There are also some articles for preparing your resume. Just input the uh, LinkedIn or resume in the search box, and those articles will come up for you. These articles have been reprinted several times, so I know that they're going to be helpful. That's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. If you have any questions about today's show, please email them to me at Vicki, V-I-C-K-I, at paralegalmentor.com. And don't forget to check out my blog, paralegalmentorblog.com, and the resources available at my website, paralegalmentor.com. Everything is designed to help you move your career in the right direction, and that's forward, always forward. This is Vicki Voison thanking you for listening to the Paralegal Voice and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Vicki Voison for her next podcast on issues and trends affecting paralegals and legal assistance. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.